Hello, welcome to a new book of the Bible, Exodus. We're up to chapter one, and um, it's an interesting, interesting book. I know I keep saying every chapter is so interesting. The whole Bible is interesting. Anyway, join with me as we read. Now these are the names of the sons of Israel who came into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All the souls who came out of Jacob's body were 70 souls, and Joseph was in Egypt already. Joseph died, as did all his brothers, and all of that generation. The children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who didn't know Joseph. He said to his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it happen that when any war breaks out, they also join themselves to our enemies and fight against us and escape out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. They built storage cities for Pharaoh, Python, and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread out. They were grieved because of the children of Israel. The Egyptians ruthlessly made the children of Israel serve, and they made their lives bitter with hard service, in mortar and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field, all their service in which they ruthlessly made them serve. The king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives of whom the name of one was Shifra and the name of the other Pua. And he said, when you perform the duty of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and didn't do what the Pharaoh commanded them, but save the baby boys alive. The king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing, and have saved the men children alive? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women aren't like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwives come to them. God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. It happened because the midwives feared God, that he gave them families. Pharaoh charged all of his people, saying, You shall cast every son who is born into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. So we're now well and truly in Egypt. Egypt's a fascinating place, and archaeology in Egypt is just a whole interesting thing. And Egyptian archaeology you know, the pyramids, and <laughs> who doesn't love it? Who, who's not interested in all of those things? And across the period of ancient Egyptian history, because it spreads over thousands of years, there's like at least 30 different dynasties. And it's a whole field of archeology span in its own. And a lot of parts of the world, you know, like Australia, they're so humid and tropical that nothing survives. You know, like, it's there's not a lot of archeological 
you know, history with Aboriginal people and Indigenous people, but in Egypt it's so dry that things are preserved. Plus, of course, they built gigantic buildings. So there's interesting things to learn and discover. And um, so over all these dynasties, you've got changing, you know. So when Joseph went to Egypt and he, he was in favour with one of the pharaohs, um, you know, he was, he was loved and, and the Hebrew people were loved, but then there comes a new king. And, and not just a new king, almost certainly a new dynasty, a new family group, because these change quite regularly. With 30 dynasties over two and a half to 3,000 years, you're changing dynasties, you know, like every 100 years or so. So th these, are, these are regular changes. And each dynasty may have, you know, one, two, five, eight different kings in it. And so we've got a new king, most likely a new dynasty, one that didn't have an allegiance to Joseph. And the Bible says that this new king didn't know Joseph. And if you think it meant he didn't know who Joseph was, you're wrong. He did know who Joseph was. He did know the story of what happened. But when it says he didn't know him, it just it means that there wasn't that personal connection. There wasn't a sense of obligation. Didn't feel that he owed the Hebrews anything. Um, and pharaohs, they thought that they were like God. So um, when they would come to the throne, they would sometimes like change history. If they didn't like a previous pharaoh, they'd scrub their name out. And one of the pharaohs, I think it was Seti, he did a, a big thing where he wrote the names of all the pharaohs that had gone before him on, in one of the temples all down the wall, but he left some of the names out because he didn't like them. So when archaeologists are trying to work out, you know, the order of things and, and how long it took, they get, con they get confounded by this type of revision of history. And so we've got a, a new king, a new pharaoh, who didn't like Joseph, didn't like the Hebrews. He knew who they were, but he didn't know them. His heart wasn't for them. And um, this, this event is around about 65 years after Joseph died. Now, immediately, some of you who've, who are quite familiar with the Bible are going to say, hang on, weren't they in Egypt for 400 years? And um, I'm going to explain all of that in a Toby talk called How Long Were the Israelites in Egypt? But the quick answer is they weren't in Egypt the entire 430-year period. There was a period of 430 years, and they were in Egypt at the beginning, and they were in Egypt at the end, and they were in Egypt for most of the 430 years, but they weren't in Egypt the whole period. But for the period from when Joseph died to when Moses was born was just 64 or 65 years. It wasn't as long as you think. And so look out for that Toby talk. And so this Pharaoh decides he's gonna persecute them. They're, they're multiplying exceedingly, like they're having a lot of children. Their families are growing rapidly and Pharaoh persecutes them and he decides every boy should be killed but every girl could survive. Most likely because girls don't fight in an army but, but boys can grow up and become men who can fight. This is a great way of keeping control. And so these midwives do something sneaky. The midwives are basically instructed to kill all the boys but they don't. And it says because they feared God. So they actually told a lie and the Bible says that God approved of it. Now we know how much God hates lying. 
It's in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie. It says in the book of Revelation that liars have their place in the lake of fire. But here, these women lie, and the Bible says that God blessed them with families of their own. In other words, God seems to have approved of the lying. <laughs> seems like a double standard. And, um, but I, I'm, remembered, I'm reminded of a story from World War II where Corrie ten Boom and her family, they hid Jewish people in, you know, in a secret room in their house to keep them safe from the Nazis. And when the Nazis would come knocking on the door um, saying, are there any Jews here? They would say no. So they would lie to save someone's life. And, and it says here in the story that these women feared God. So yeah, lying is wrong, but forced into a position where a lie would save the life of someone it's, a, it's a, what's worse, to tell the truth and, and then that leads to someone dying, uh, to be a part of their murder? Well, it's a very, very tricky position and we're not talking ethics here, but we, just, we can see in this example that these women feared God and, and they decided to lie to save the lives of other people and the, it seemed like the Lord was pleased with them. And so it was for the sake of someone else. They risked their own life for the sake of someone else. And so there are times when we're called to be brave. There are times when we're called to stand up for others and take risks and be brave and do things ourselves just like these women did. Anyway, in the beginning of this, this Exodus book, we now see that the children of Israel are slaves. They're enslaved and it's not pleasant and it says in this chapter that their lives were made hard with labor or hard with service. And finally, at the very end of this chapter, obviously Pharaoh's um, instructions to the midwives did not work. So he says to all Egyptians in the whole land, if you see a boy, a baby Hebrew boy, throw it into the Nile. So now Pharaoh has instructed his whole entire country to kill Hebrew boys. So now this is bordering on what we would call genocide. Obviously it's not genocide because it's not killing of all the Hebrews, but it's just killing the boys of the Hebrews, the baby boys. But he's actually recruited his whole entire population to participate in this practice. So this is now getting to the point where it's not just the sin of one person, Pharaoh, it's now, if they participate, becoming the sin of an whole entire nation so it's, um, we think, you know, later on in the book of Exodus, when the plagues come, the plagues come upon the whole country. And some people have said, that just doesn't seem fair, that God would punish a whole country for the sins of one person. Well, we can see here at the end of this chapter that it wasn't just the sins of one person, it was the sins of the whole entire country, because they all participated in this killing of young lives. And um, the truth is that we're all sinners. We may not have thrown babies into rivers like these Egyptians were doing, but all of us are sinners and all of us are in the need of the mercy of the Lord. And also at the same time, if you're a believer, the Lord's calling you to be brave. And these, these midwives were brave standing up to Pharaoh. We don't have anything quite as scary as that, but we may need to be brave and share the gospel with someone. We may be brave, need to be brave and do the right thing in our workplace, even though people might um, say something about it. 
we might become the butt of someone's jokes. So the consequences are, are less high for us, but there are definitely times for us to be brave. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for Exodus chapter one. Thank you for the example of these two women. And um, I ask Lord that we would be brave like they are. And I pray Lord that your grace would be extended to us that when people all around us are participating in evil, that we would stand up and not do it ourselves. And um, so, Heavenly Father, we ask for mercy upon this generation of Australians and this generation of people in the world that we're surrounded by sin, we're surrounded by worldliness. Help us not to be like that, but help us to stand up and do what you've asked us to do. In the name of Jesus.